Welcome in to the debut of Start Your Sundays. Welcome in to the start, the debut, the pilot, the first episode. And we are glad you are starting your Sunday with us here on KCOU 88.1. Here we are at the C-Stream studio, a little past 10 o'clock, 10, 12 central time to this first start of what is going to be the start of a football season. I want to introduce myself and introduce the show. My name is Harrison Vapnik. I am from Boca Raton, Florida, traveled out here to Columbia, Missouri for this great journalism school, and I'm glad to be starting a new show, and hence the start, your Sunday name. I want to talk about a little bit of the background for the show. Uh, for the fall, it's going to be a primarily uh, based football show. I'm not going to be the only one doing the show. My partner, Garrett Pave, will be starting next week with us. He is off today. He is out on a family trip that's been planned for a while, so... When the NFL officially starts next Sunday, he will be joining us and we will be previewing NFL, recapping college football. And that's basically what the show is going to look like for the next, I guess, 20 weeks or so as we're going to be on a football grind as we had the college football start yesterday. NFL starting Thursday with Chiefs-Texans and then the first full Sunday in one week from today. So this football-based show, it's going to be college football recaps to start and then we're going to shift to the NFL Sunday preview, also segments with our best bets, fantasy predictions, and other fun segments. We are still unsure of what the spring is going to look like. We don't know if the Big Ten is going to be playing, the Pac-12, if there's going to be any football at all. Maybe the XFL, as we saw five, six weeks of great XFL football last fall, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to bring that back to us next spring, which we hope so. Then we'll see what the show looks like, but we're kind of just focusing on what the fall is looking like right now. So we're super excited to be bringing you hopefully what will be a great show for the next four years plus here on KCOU. So let's start with our content. Let's start with Saturday with our college football recaps and news. Let's start with probably the biggest game of the day last night, Memphis and Arkansas State. I don't know. It's been it was a long wait for a big college football game. And this this could have been Alabama versus Georgia. could have been USC, UCLA, even though the Pac-12 isn't playing. This could have been Michigan, Ohio State. And just this Memphis-Arkansas State game, it just felt like the biggest buzz of a college football game. Even to a start of a season, I can remember, it was a 37-24 win for Memphis. Memphis is coming off one of their best seasons in program history where uh, last fall they got all the way to the Cotton Bowl and fell just short to Penn State. They had a 37-24 win last night. They have a senior quarterback, Brady White, threw for 275 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. It was their coach, Ryan Silverfield, got his first career win. He took over from Mike Norvell, who's now the head coach at Florida State University. Their running back, Rod Clark, 20 carries, 105 yards and a touchdown. Sean Dykes, one of the best wide receivers in college football, 10 catches, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Demonte Coxey, eight catches, 90 yards and a touchdown. And their slot receiver, Calvin Austin III, had a touchdown to take the lead at the half. It was a fast start for Arkansas State. They were entered this game 18.5-point underdogs. They had a long drive down the field to start. Memphis answered. A couple punts between Arkansas State, another good drive down the field. They had a two-quarterback system going with Lane Hatcher and Logan Bonner. I thought Hatcher was better, but they kind of kept going back and forth. Wasn't a huge fan of how they were doing it, but they were in in the first half. They were tied before um, Memphis marched down the field. Brady White hit Austin in the end zone to take the lead into the locker room. And then early second half, White, probably the only bad play he really made all day, he was rolling to his left, kind of sailed the ball over the receiver's head, intercepted. Memphis, or Arkansas State, kicked the field goal 21-17. And then a surprise onside kick. I understand it's the first game of the year you're trying to pull off an upset. But in that situation, didn't really love the spot Memphis goes down. 27-17, forced another turnover. All of a sudden, it's 37-17, and it's over, even though a late Arkansas State touchdown and another drive finished it off. Uh, Memphis also converted a fake punt. They were super aggressive in this game, and it was a fun first primetime game to watch. I really enjoyed watching these two. And Memphis, we'll talk about them more later in the show when we're doing our American preview. But we'll talk about how the American – like, this could be a playoff team. The American – this is the best shot – any mid-major conference has ever had to get into the college football playoff. We'll talk more about that later in the show, but one of the other big games yesterday, Middle Tennessee State 
took on Army. It was a 42 nothing win for the Army. They did this with their quarterback, Christian Anderson, only attempting four passes. Seven players run for 25 yards or more. Tyrell Robinson, their lead back, had nine carries for 94 yards. Uh, also a touchdown. Sandin McCoy, 50 carries, three touchdowns. Anthony Adkins also added one. And the Army defense, they set the tone from the start. Fourth play of the game, forced to fumble, recovered by John Radigan. And then McCoy scored his first, and the route was on Radigan, also who I just mentioned, recovered that fumble, had a pick six early in the second half off Asho O'Hara, the quarterback for the junior quarterback for Middle Tennessee State. And then he was benched for Chase Cunningham, who finished 7 of 10 for 63 yards. Army's triple option offense, it's it's the signature of college football. Everyone knows this Army offense. They ran for 340 yards on a 5.5 carries. It was actually their first shutout win since 2017 where they shut out Air Force 21-0. It was the largest shutout over an FBS team that Army has had since a 47-0 victory over Wake Forest in 1963. Army has eight home games this year, which is pretty crazy. Uh, the third and final notable game yesterday, SMU, who was also a, a, com- a competitor in the American last year, they defeated uh, Texas State 31-24 despite being a 25 point favorite, so certainly didn't come close to covering that spread. Um, Shane Buchelle, uh their talented senior quarterback, threw 367 yards, just one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, they have a sophomore quarterback for the other side, Texas State, Brady McBride. First career start, 227 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Neither defenses were well. Uh, there was a combined five turnovers. But SMU, they won the ball running the ball. TJ McDaniel, 27 carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. I think they're going to improve as the season goes on, Bouchelle, um, he's got to be better than what he was yesterday. As I mentioned earlier, the American is, if you look across the four big conferences that are playing American, SEC, Big 12, and ACC, the American is the most wide open. Uh, SMU's defense, they were fatigued at times, uh, physically beat at the line of scrimmage, but only gave up 6 of 16 on third downs. SMU now has the week off. Because their game against TCU that was supposed to be on Friday was postponed due to TCU players testing positive for the coronavirus. Their next game is going to be September 19th, where they travel to North Texas. And the final big game of this opening weekend slate on Monday, Labor Day, BYU will travel to Navy. So we'll see, basically similar to what we saw with Army. These are two poor opposite teams. BYU is a spread offense team. Navy, similar to Army, the triple option. Next week's top games, UAB at Miami, Thursday night at 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. Louisiana will travel to number 23, Iowa State, at 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. Syracuse at number 18, North Carolina, 11 a.m. on the ACC Network. Duke at number 10, Notre Dame, 1.30 on NBC. Georgia Tech at FSU, 2.30 ABC. Missouri State at number 5, Oklahoma, at 6 p.m. And college game, they will be traveling to Wake Forest as they host the number one team in the country at 6.30 on ABC. So from there, we're going to move on to some of our college football season previews. We'll start with the team we just mentioned, the number one team in the country who will travel to Wake Forest next Saturday, the Clemson Tigers. They were the preseason number one last year. They've been in the top five in the preseason the last five years. And as you may remember, last year's national championship, a 42-25 loss to Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers. They have won the last five ACC championships and has actually come over five different ACC coastal teams, UNC, Virginia Tech, Miami, Pittsburgh, and UVA. They were the 2017 national champions over Alabama and the 2019 national champions where they beat Alabama. But they had more losses other than probably LSU than any team in the country. Their offensive coordinator, Jeff Scott, left to take on the USF head coaching job. Lost a lot of key players to the draft. Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker. Wider sever T. Higgins, defensive back A.J. Terrell, safety Tanner Muse, safety Kevon Wallace, among, amongst others. But they still have the guy, the face of college football probably right now. Trevor Lawrence last season, 3,665 touchdowns, 36 touchdowns, 8 interceptions while also running for 563 yards and 9 touchdowns. He's the face of the sport. He's been the best player since probably his freshman year when he led them to an undefeated season and beat Alabama. I think at times last year, he looked a little bored. I think the interception number was a little high because, you know, he's trying to make plays. He's playing NC State. He's playing um, Wake Forest, who he's going to play on Saturday night. He's playing these Syracuse, these 
little, these young, these low tier ACC teams, because the ACC amongst the the five conferences, it's right there in the Pac-12 with probably the weakest of the competition. Clemson, they're probably better than every team in the nation, and they're playing these teams that are just not on their level, and they're winning these games 59 nothing. And Trevor Lawrence can take these shots because, you know, he can. There's no risk in losing the game right now. They only played in really one close game before LSU last year, and it was to North Carolina where they got away with a 21-20 victory. Justin Ross is another actually big loss for them I forgot to mention. He's out for the season after having off-season surgery to replace a condition known as a congenital fusion. He had 865 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. This is probably the weakest wide receiver core, something that Clemson's really taken advantage of over there. I guess you could call it a dynasty. I don't know. My definition of a dynasty is three championships. This team has only won two. This is the weakest core they've had at wide receiver. Amari Rogers, Joseph Nada, and Frank Ladson are their top three. This this isn't Mike Williams. This isn't Justin Ross who was out. This isn't T. Higgins. Even Hunter Renfro, who we joked about, had played there for years. Like this is a pretty inexperienced crew. And obviously they still have Travis Etienne who ran for sixteen hundred yards and nineteen touchdowns last year. But this could be a struggle from the start for uh, Trevor Lawrence again to get some chemistry with these guys. Amari Rogers is a senior, but it's a lot of young guys. I'm not concerned about the Clemson team at all. I think think you're the favorites in the ACC and probably national championship favorites. But it's going to be interesting to see what that offense looks like. I do expect when they play Wake Forest on Saturday to go heavy run. ETN will probably get 25, 30 carries. But outside of that, like they've been practicing since July, maybe even shortened practices. I don't know the chemistry Trevor Lawrence is going to have with these guys. Like Their top three, four receivers from last year are out. And they're not there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Their key games this year, they play Miami on October 10th, Notre Dame on November the 7th. They traveled FSU on November the 21st, and they traveled to Virginia Tech on December the 5th. So it's it's an easy schedule. Miami and Notre Dame are probably the two toughest teams on there. And speaking of Notre Dame, let's preview them. Uh, last season, a quiet 11-2. and two. No one really gave them much buzz. They destroyed Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. They got to the College Football Playoff back in 2019, but blown out by Clemson 33-3 down in the Cotton Bowl. Their best player, Jeremiah Awunsu Karoma. He tied the team lead in 80 tackles with five and a half sacks and 13 and a half tackles for a loss, along with four broken up passes. Other quarterback is Ian Book, 34 touchdowns, six interceptions last year, and their really only big game is Clemson on November the 7th. They're going to have a lot of time to prepare for that, and it wouldn't be a shock if both teams ended that game undefeated. Let's go to the third team in the ACC we like. Uh, the University of Miami, they just brought in transfer quarterback De'Ara King from Houston. He did not play much last year, was very good the year before, 29-82, passing yards, 36 touchdowns and six interceptions in just 11 games. This is the second year for coach Manny Diaz after he took over from Mark Richt after he was a coach there for three years before retiring. Um, they also acquired uh, from Temple Quincy Roche, who's one of the premier college football pass rushers. They, Miami had one of the best pass rushers in college football, Gregory Rosal, but he opted out for the season. Let's move on to North Carolina. They have their star quarterback, Sam Howell, who was a true freshman last year. 3,641 yards, 38 touchdowns, six interceptions. And that was also as a true freshman. And other than LSU, closest team to beating Clemson as a true freshman. They lost 21-20. They scored a touchdown with three minutes to go. Went for a two-point conversion, tried to take the lead. Didn't work out, didn't get the ball back. They're entering this season ranked number 18 in the country. They're a very good running back. Michael Quarter and also Mac Brown is the head coach. You know, teams are always going to compete with him. Obviously, the coach at the University of Texas when they beat USC in the back in the 2006 Rose Bowl. So UNC is a lot of people's pick to maybe dethrone Clemson in the ACC. I don't know if it's going to be this year, maybe next year, but the team that I think is actually a popular sleeper team in the ACC, Louisville. They averaged 213 rushing yards per game last year. Malik Cunningham, a quarterback, and I I think they have the best wide receiver court in the conference. Uh, they have the best wide receiver name in the conference, 2-2-12. Uh, he had 1,276 receiving yards last year and 12 touchdowns, also some solid guys, Des Fitzpatrick and Marshawn Ford. And they actually host Miami uh, on ABC ne- next week, but the week after on September the 19th. They also travel to Notre Dame on 10 17. So those are the ECC predictions. My prediction for the ECC championship game, I'm going to take 
for the sixth straight year, the Clemson Tigers to take it. But over North Carolina, I think North Carolina is going to be better than Notre Dame this season. Let's move on to the SEC, our conference here at Missouri. We're not going to start with Missouri. We're going to start with Missouri's opponent in 20 days from now, Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's crazy to believe last season that for the first time in the six-year existence of the college football playoff that Alabama actually missed it. Um, And they did this having their best offense under Nick Saban. Last year scored 47 points per game and 500 yards, but took a big blow this offseason to a tug of layout of the draft. They're starting left tackle Jedrick Wills, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. They're all those were all top fifteen picks. Not to include everyone else they lost on defense. It was good, but not not Alabama good. They were finished twentieth in total D and thirteenth in scoring. They did beat Michigan uh thirty five sixteen in the Citrus Bowl, but that defense I just mentioned, they're gonna need to take a leg up. Their two losses last year. Their offense scored 41 and 45, and they let them down by giving up 46 and 48. The pressure is, it's on the Alabama defense this year. I think their offense is still going to be solid. Won't be too good, but Mac Jones, in the short game he played, short time he played in, 1,503 yards, 15 touchdowns, but also the name to watch out for, possibly the next to a tag of Iowa. Bryce Young, true freshman, and there are people inside college football that think that he could take over at some point this season. Imagine if we get to the the SEC championship, the Iron Bowl, the college football playoff, and you know Mac Jones, their Alabama's down 14-3 at the half, and similar to what we saw in that championship against Georgia, Nick Saban goes in, makes a switch, he puts in Bryce Young over Mac Jones. It would, it's definitely in the cards that something like that happens. They also have uh, experienced running back Najee Harris. 1,224 yards last year, 13 touchdowns, also 27 catches for 304 yards, four touchdowns. Harris is going to take a heavy load for Bama. When Tua went down last year, it was heavy for him, and people were surprised that he came back to college this year to play out his senior year. He's going to be one of the first running backs taken in the draft next year. And even losing Ruggs and Judy, I think they still have the best wide receiver core in the nation, Devontae Smith who is famous for his 40-yard touchdown to win the 2018 National Championship over Georgia when he reached out on that ball, thrown down the left sideline by Tua. They also have one of the fastest guys in college football, Jalen Waddell, averaged 17 17 yards per catch with four touchdowns. And he also beat Auburn almost all by himself in that game, if you remember. They also have young wide receivers, Slade Bolden and John Mechie, who are going to get some targets along with their tight end, Miller Forsythe. Some of their key games, Texas A&M on October 3rd, and Georgia, which will be an 8 p.m. game on CBS, on October the 17th also will travel to LSU after hosting them last year. So let's talk LSU. They're the defending national champions. Entering the season ranking number six, which also happened to be their ranking going into the season last year, uh, they won the college football playoff down in the bayou. They beat Clemson 42-25, as we mentioned, Best offensive team in the nation, 567 yards and almost 50 points per game. Had seven wins against top 10 teams. Just an impressive mark. One of the greatest teams in history called football, but it won't be a repeat for them. They lost Joe Burrow and about everyone. Some of those important players, Kelvin Chasen, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edward-Helaire, Patrick Queen, Grant Delpit, and I could go on and on, but this LSU team is going to look a lot different than that team last year. There's new starting quarterback, Miles Brennan, only appeared a few games last year for LSU, only 353 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. So we haven't seen much of Brennan. Also, we didn't really see much of Burrow when he started two years ago for LSU coming in from Ohio State as the transfer. So I wouldn't completely count out what Brennan's able to do. Jamar Chase was the best wide receiver in college football last year. 84 catches, 1,270 yards, and 20 touchdowns. He opted out for the season. It's a huge blow for them. He's their best weapon, not just in the SEC, but in all the nation. Terrence Marshall is their new number one wide receiver. 46 catches, 671 yards, 13 touchdowns. He's back. And at running back, Clyde Edwards-Healer, the first player in the history of the SEC to run for 1,000 yards and also catch 50 passes. And how are they going to place him? They're going to use a running back by committee with sophomore Tyrone Davis Price, who is more of their power back. He had 295 yards last year. Former superstar recruit John Emery 
only 188 yards, four touchdowns, and also Chris Curry had 90 yards in that win against Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. They're all going to get their chance. I wouldn't be surprised if one takes over from maybe four games in because that's what the first few weeks are for. My guess is that's going to be Curry. They have one of the, also one of the best corners in the nation. Derek Stingley was an All-American All-SEC last year with six interceptions. They're key games. They go to Florida, they go to Bama, and they host Georgia. Let's talk the University of Florida. They are the SEC's favorites, in my opinion. A strong 11-2 last season, an Orange Bowl victory over UVA. Kyle Trask stepped in for an injured Felipe Franks after he broke his leg in a win against Kentucky. And he looked a part of the next superstar in the SEC through 67% of his throws, 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, along with four more rushing touchdowns. They also have a backup quarterback that you might not know, Emory Jones. They use him a lot in packages where they like to run the ball. We saw a lot of that actually against in their loss against LSU. They did a lot of that. Kyle Pitts is their starting tight end. He's one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the SEC. They also have Trevon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, and the speedster, Kadarius Toney. The defense, think about all the great quarterbacks in the SEC last year. You think of Joe Burrow and Tua and Bo Nix. Florida didn't give up a single 300-yard passing game in the SEC until they played UVA in the Orange Bowl where they won by, like, a touchdown. They did lose a bunch of key players, including C.J. Henderson, David Reese, who was their leading tackler, and Jabai Zinga. Uh, it won't be a big-name defense, but I still expect them to play well, and they haven't been back to the SEC championship since 2016. The team that's been stopping them from getting there is Georgia, who we'll talk about next. They are the number four team in the nation. They have a chance to get to their second college football playoff in three year, in four years. Last year, they folded in the SEC championship. They lost to LSU 37-10 with a chance to get to the playoff. And then they had a big win against Notre Dame early in the year, but a bad double overtime loss to South Carolina, who wasn't even bowl eligible at home. They, they got Jamie Newman as a transfer from Wake Forest, but he opted out this season. And their new starter, JT Daniels, who was injured, in his first game with USC, he's going to take over. And I think this is a theory, but with Newman opting out, they had a scrimmage. Daniels played really well. Maybe Newman thought, huh, maybe I might lose the job to this guy. This guy's playing really well as a former five-star recruit. Maybe I should just go to the draft and keep my spot instead of, you know, potentially getting benched and all of a sudden I'm I'm not getting picked in the NFL. So, that might be a theory of why Jamie Newman opted out so late after basically all the practices were over. But if I'm George, I'm still confident with JT Daniels. They have running back Zamir White, who had 408 yards and three touchdowns, and James Cook, who's actually Dalvin Cook, the running back from Minnesota Vikings' younger brother. At wide receivers, they have true sophomores George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock, two very talented wide receivers. Uh, their leading tackler, Monty Rice, is back. Richard LeConte is an All-American um, playmaker at the back spot. And they also have cornerback Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, and DJ Daniel. Georgia actually had eight interceptions all of last season, so they do expect that number to go up. Quickly talk about Auburn, Bo Nix. You know, had that game-winning touchdown against Auburn, or not against Auburn, for Auburn against Oregon in that first game at Cowboy Stadium last year. 2,542 yards, 16 touchdowns, six interceptions. They also played a very difficult schedule against Oregon, Texas A&M, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Minnesota, Bama. They have a great wide receiver course, Seth Williams, Eli Stove, and Anthony Schwartz. So do expect an improvement season for Bo Nix. Auburn will be a little bit better. How about let's talk our Missouri Tigers. It's the first year for coach Eli Drinkowitz. He was the head coach at Appalachian State where they went 12-1 in his only season there. Before there, he was the offensive coordinator at NC State from 2016 to 2018. The quarterback competition has not been decided yet. Drinkwitz did say that he will not announce the starter until game day against Alabama on September the 26th. It's either going to be junior Taylor Powell or transfer from TCU Sean Robinson. Their top wide receiver is Virginia Tech transferred Damon Hazelton. He had eight touchdowns last year for the Hokies. They have a solid running back duo of Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty. And their middle linebacker is one of the best in the nation. He could be a first-round draft pick next year. It is linebacker Nick Bolton. He led the team with 107 tackles and 7.5 and tackles for loss with 8 broken up passes and 2 interceptions, including a score against West Virginia. He's a smart, tough defender who's seemingly always in the right position. 
And now my prediction for the SEC championship, I'm going to take Bama to win it over the University of Florida. Let's go to a quick break, and we'll talk a little more about the Big 12. They're peer educators and presentations all over campus in the Columbia area on topics ranging from abstinence and healthy relationships to anatomy, STIs, and barrier methods. How do I apply? Just Google Shape Mizzou. You can go to studenthealth.missouri.edu and apply online. Wow, thank you so much, Lisa. I want to be a shape here. KCOU would like to shout out East Side Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, Eastside is a solid place to hang out. The, the hottest, hottest project, project, project this year, possibly next. Come down to our studio in the student center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. Release the, the hottest, hottest project, project this year, possibly next. Come down to our studio in the student center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. And we are back after a short break. Let's talk a little bit about the Big 12. Oklahoma Sooners, you know, they have that reputation of good regular season, get to the college football playoff, and disappoint. And that's exactly what happened last year when they took on LSU in the college football playoff down in Atlanta, Georgia. They got a good start. It was 7-7 early in the game, looked competitive. And then Joe Burrow did what Joe Burrow did to everyone he played last season. Dominated. I think he threw seven touchdowns in the first half. It was a 63-28 win for the Tigers. And this is a pressure year for Oklahoma. I do expect them to get back to the cultural playoff for the fifth time in six years. What it looked like they've been four times in the last five years. But the defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, there's some pressure. Oklahoma had a times last year where the defense looked pretty good, and then times where they were giving up 40 points to Iowa State. Big pressure year for the Sooners. Uh, they lost Jalen Hurts to the NFL, C.D. Lamb, Kenneth Murray, uh, Nedville Gilmore. So who's their starting quarterback, you ask? Spencer Rattler only saw, the time, only saw the field three games last season, just played 14 snaps, 7 of 11, 81 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He only had 100 total yards last year. But he's from Arizona, where in high school football, threw for 11,000 yards and 116 touchdowns, also 14 rushing touchdowns. Lincoln Riley named him the starting quarterback just about a week ago for this, the Sooners. They have a good wide receiver duo of Charleston Rambo and Jaden Hasselwood. Uh, Creed Humphrey is their starting left tackle. He is one of the best in all of college football. Ronnie Perkins and Trey Brown, their starting defensive backs. He is as good as it gets in college football. Uh, key games, they host Kansas State, go to Iowa State, host Texas, and they will play that game in the Cotton Bowl still, even in a pandemic. Uh, and they also host Oklahoma State, as they always do, in Bedlam. Let's move on to Texas, who, if we look back two years ago, it was about then, 
They beat Georgia, a Georgia team that wasn't really playing for much in the Sugar Bowl. And Sam Ellinger goes up to the stage and says, we're back. And then they last season, they go 8-5. and five. They're not back. Texas, they did have a great win in their bowl game in the Alamo Bowl. They beat number 11, Utah 38-10. to 10. That was also a Utah team who was pretty similar to Georgia, where they were right on the verge of the college football playoff and then kind of just let it slip away. Or they lost their last game. Utah lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship when Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC championship. So once again, they were kind of playing a team that wasn't really going for much. And Ellinger, he's the leader of that offense, threw for 3,600 yards, 32 touchdowns, 10 picks, also 663 rushing yards, 7 touchdowns. He's the one who beat it was Kyler Murray that year in the Cotton Bowl. Or not the Cotton Bowl, at the Cotton Bowl for that Oklahoma-Texas rivalry. Texas, it's if someone's going to beat Oklahoma, it has to be them. Because Oklahoma has won, what, five S Big 12 championships in a row? If if someone's going to do it, it's got to be Texas. One of the other teams who people think could do it, Oklahoma State. They have one of the best running backs in the country, Chuba Hubbard. He ran for 2,094 yards and 21 touchdowns last season. He also had 23 catches. And for the Sooners, they haven't been to the Big 12 championship since it's been back. They have a great cornerback, Colby Harvell-Peel. And back to Hubbard, he's a Heisman candidate. He was a Heisman candidate last year. And if they want to dethrone their rivals, Oklahoma, in the Big 12, it has to be through him. Spencer Sanders is their starting quarterback. He is a high power. He leads a high powered offense. Uh, he does make a lot of mistakes. I think he threw eleven touch, eleven interceptions last year, to sixteen touchdowns. He's gonna have to throw less if they want to have a chance to win that Big Twelve. Iowa State, who is a tricky team to kind of predict in the Big Twelve, because there was one week they almost beat Oklahoma. They think they went for two at the end of the game and didn't convert, but then they also got blown out by Kansas State, who's just might be the worst team, other than Kansas, actually, in the Big 12. At the end of 2019, they finished 7-6 and six with a bowl loss to Notre Dame. They are ranked to start the season because of their starting quarterback, Brock Purdy. Uh, he is he's a great builder quarterback. He has pinpoint accuracy. And ever since his freshman days where he was throwing picks and he wasn't looking good, he's really improved each and every year. Last year, almost 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 9 picks, also two rushing touchdowns. They have a good running back, Brees Hall, who no one really knows about. He's more of a smaller back, just six foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds. But he's just he's great when he gets the ball, he can fight off contact. 186 carries, just short of a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. They've one of the better tight ends in college football. You look at a the draft and it feels like such a far way away. But this guy, Charlie Kohler, will be one of the first uh, tight ends taken off the board. Uh, linebackers Orion Vance and Mike Rose, they are going to be leading that Cyclone defense, which when you think of the Big 12, you don't think of defense. And just when you think of how someone can de- finally dethrone Oklahoma in that conference, it's going to be through defense. And we almost saw it with Baylor last year. Baylor was, they played in the in November in Waco. Game day was there, 8 o'clock primetime game, and they were up 28-3 in the second most famous 28-3 comeback in the history of football. And they they let it slip away. So my Big 12 championship prediction, I'm going to take Oklahoma over Oklahoma State. I'm not going to go deep into these American uh, previews because, you know, it's it's the American. And you don't really want to hear about UCF and Memphis. And even though we talked about Memphis a little earlier on the show, I'm just going to give you my big ideas on the American conference this year and why I think it's super important in college football. So we know a group of five team has never been to the college football playoff. That we know. What we also know is that this is a crazy year that the Big 12 and Pac-12 aren't playing. Even though the Pac-12, you might not know, have only had two teams to ever make the college football playoff. That was Oregon and Washington. And that was also in 2016. Washington last made it. So it's been quite a while. It's been a playoff dominated by SEC and Big Ten teams and Oklahoma because it's the only team from that conference that's made it. You eliminate the Big Ten who's basically had a team that every year in there. Why can't an American team get in? 
the SEC champion will get in. The Big 12 champion, Oklahoma, will probably get in. The East Clemson will get in. That fourth spot has never been so up for grabs for a team like Memphis or a team like UCF or a team like SMU, even, even though they struggled a little bit yesterday, if they can run the table. Or a team like Cincinnati, I also forgot. They're a talented team. It's there for the taking. And the committee, I think they need to consider that if there is an American team that is one loss or undefeated and the one loss came in overtime on a field goal or something like that, and you're comparing that with a two-loss SEC team or a two-loss Big 12 team, why not put the American team in there? I think that this is the golden opportunity for one of those teams to kind of sneak in there. I know UCF complained for two years after they went undefeated in the regular season both years, and now it is... It's it's the chances there. Uh, if there's a team that's going to do it, I think it's Memphis. I think they're well coached. Brady White's the best player in the conference. So yeah, that's I'm not going to go deep into these deep American predictions, but that is that. My and my college football playoff picks. As badly as I want to pick an American team, as badly as I want to pick Memphis, as badly as I want to pick UCF or Cincinnati. I'm going to go with Clemson, Alabama. Oklahoma, and Florida. Those are my four teams. On the outside looking in, I think will be Memphis, and I think will be Georgia. I think that Florida-Georgia game will decide that fourth spot to whoever gets into that SEC championship. Let's talk some NFL news. Leonard Fournette, former Jacksonville Jaguar running back, signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1,152 rushing yards, three touchdowns. Tom Brady's running backs, he had 76 catches as well. And you look at Tom Brady in his career, how important the running backs are. You think of guys like James White and Shane Vereen and Deion Lewis and Kevin Falk and Danny Woodhead and Corey Dillon and all those other no-name pager running backs that have had success. I think Leonard Fournette can have a good season. He's in a very tough running back guy committee with Ronald Jones, who Bruce Arians said would still be the starter, Keyshawn Vaughn, LaShawn McCoy. How oh, another big signing, Jadavion Clowney, one year, 15 million with the Tennessee Titans, it was either going to be them or the Saints, but it came out of a report earlier today. The Saints offered about 2 to $3 million less than the Titans, and the Titans came in and said, we'll take you. Mike Vrabel, Tennessee's head coach, was Clowney's linebackers coach when he was a member of the Houston Texans. Uh, in 2017, under Vrabel's scheme, nine and a half sacks, a career high, 21 tackles for a loss, 21 quarterback hits. He was traded to Seattle before last season, just 31 tackles three sacks. I think he's a little bit overrated. I think 15 million is a lot for a guy like Jadavion Clowney when kind of pass rushers are more of a draft. You can usually find one like Kevon Chasen who was drafted by the, I think, Atlanta Falcons earlier this year in the draft. I think that's a better spot to find someone like that. 15 million for Clowney is a lot. But the Titans, they were in the AFC Championship game last year. They were up against Patrick Mahomes and they couldn't stop him. This is it makes sense. They're basically bringing back most of that team. I don't know if they're going to get back to the AFC Championship, but someone adding, adding someone like Clowney definitely helps. There were two big signings, not big, but two notable re-signings in the AFC last yesterday. My apologies. Trey White of the Buffalo Bills signed a four-year, $70 million extension. He's a top five corner in the league. Makes sense. Keenan Allen signed a four-year, $80 million extension with the Chargers. He had 104 catches for 1999 yards. Last season, um, Deshaun Watson, that was the big one. Four years, $160 million extension with the Texans. He was the 12th pick in the 2017 draft. He doesn't get enough love as Mahomes and Lamar. It's just, it's not his fault he plays for Bill O'Brien. It's not his fault he doesn't have John Harbaugh or Andy Reid. And he still just puts up these fantastic numbers where he completes 67% of his passes and throws 71 touchdowns and you know, he's one of 11 players in the history of the league for 70 or more touchdowns in his first three years. I love Deshaun Watson. I wish he got more credit than he gets. But he, uh, unfortunately, has a bad offensive line. He has a very co a coach who's also the general manager, who also doesn't have a boss, who makes just these questionable decisions, like basically trading DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick, in which they use that second-round pick to trade for Brandon Cooks, who has missed games every year of his career. Which it's, it's not Deshaun Watson's fault that he and Will Fuller who has been hurt every year and Kenny Stills who, 
you know, questionable hands and a bad offensive line and inconsistent defense. I really feel for Deshaun. And he's not he's he's on that level with Mahomes and Lamar, but just doesn't get that respect. Um Adrian Peterson, who was cut by Washington Football Club, Washington football team, was signed by the Detroit Lions earlier this morning. And just seeing seeing Peterson in a Lions jersey, it's just gonna be one of the weirdest things to see. All those years with the Vikings when he was running all over the Lions. It's like when Dwayne Wade was like on the Cavaliers for like half that season. Or when oh, what's another good one? Like when Antonio Brown played that one game with the Patriots also it was just that was wild. And just it's gonna be one of those examples we're gonna look back in like twenty years and see a picture of Adrian Peterson in a Lions jersey and say, like, oh well, was this photoshopped? It'll unless if he plays, obviously. So I'm gonna move forward into our NFL predictions for the season. Um, so with AFC East, I like the Patriots to win the division at 10-6. and six. It's because of the camp factor and that elite defense. The Bills, I think the Bills are going to be what the Bears were last year. They were a team that had high expectations after they made the playoffs the year before. Uh, they have a weak link, and that weak link happens to be their starting quarterback. They have a good defense, so I think they did benefit last year from a fairly easy schedule. The Dolphins 5-11. and 11. I think Tua starts by Week 8, and it's just going to be a culture year for them. The Jets, 5-11. This is Adam Gase's final year with them. I don't really love their wide receivers or their defense. Uh, let's move to the AFC North. I have Baltimore going 13-3. and I think they're better than last year's team. They added Clays Campbell. They added J.K. Dobbins. I don't expect the Lamar replica season of last year, but it'll still be very good. Pittsburgh, I've had 11-5. Uh, Big Ben is back and healthy. They have a top-five defense with Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin White and Cameron Hayward, and just they're good. I have the Browns at 9-7. and seven. I think this is a make-or-break year for Baker. He has great weapons. He's got two good wide receivers. He's got two good running backs. He's got two good tight ends. He's got two good tackles. It's it's like the Noah's Ark of football, what they have. They're, it is, they have a good defense also with you know Miles Garrett coming back after his suspension last year and Denzel Ward at corner. Uh, I think the Browns are good. I don't think Baker's going to put up the numbers, but I think the team around him is going to help. I have the Bengals at 4-12. and 12. Joe Burrow has great targets. I think he'll win Offensive Rookie of the Year. But he's got no offensive line and no defense. Uh, NFC South, I like the Titans to go 9-7 and seven for the fourth straight year. Uh, I'm expecting another big year for Derrick Henry. Tannehill, I didn't love the extension, but he'll do enough to win the division. Colts, 7-9. and nine. Don't love the river signing. I like the Jonathan Taylor draft. That's about it for them. Texans, 6-10. and 10. As I mentioned earlier, they're a mess of an organization. They traded Hopkins for Cooks, which... Tell me where DeAndre Hopkins is ranked among these two receivers, and tell me where Brandon Cooks is, and there's probably 20 receivers between those two. Jaguars 3-13, and 13, all I'm going to say is they're taking for some guy from Clemson named Trevor Lawrence. AFC West, the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, I am saying is going 14-2. and two. They're going to go back to back possibly. Mahomes is in for an epic year, and he also is going to have the best running back he's had in his career, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. As I mentioned earlier on the show in my SEC preview, he had 50 catches to go with a 1,000 rushing yards. No one in the history of the SEC has ever done that, and now he's going to go into an Andy Reid offense, and that is just scary right there. Broncos, 10-6. and six. I like them more than a lot of people. I think it's a Drew Lock here, not just because I'm a Missouri Tigers homer. I love the weapons they put around him. They drafted Jerry Judy. They drafted KJ Hammer from Penn State. They took uh, Albert O from University of Missouri. They're adding him with Cortland Sutton, who they already had, and Philip Lindsay, and they signed Melvin Gordon, and they have a solid defense. Vic Fangio is a defensive coach. He brought in Pat Shermer after he was fired from the Giants as their offensive coordinator. That's going to be it's gonna be my pop team this year. I think the Broncos are a playoff team. Raiders 6-10. and 10. New City, same team. I expect Derek Carr to get mentioned from Marcus Mario at some point. Chargers 6-10. and 10. It's a transition year from Taylor to Herbert. I don't really have any expectations for them. My AFC playoffs look like the Chiefs at the one seed, the Ravens at the two, New England at three, Tennessee four, and my wild cards are Pittsburgh, Denver, and Cleveland. And my AFC championship, I like Baltimore over Kansas City. Let's move over to, over to the NFC as we just have a few minutes to go. Dallas, I love this year. I love, I love the Cowboys. 12 and four, I say. Just Dak is in for a huge year. He's got healthy Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb, who in my opinion was the best wide receiver in college football last year. And he's got a good offensive line. And the defense signed Everson Griffin from the Vikings. And they did lose Byron Jones, but I still think the secondary is going to be okay. And, you know, they also got Greg Zerline from the Rams. He's one of the best kickers in the league, and they got him for nothing. Uh, Eagles, 9-7. and seven. I don't love the receivers. Jalen Rieger, I think he's already hurt. Sean Jackson, inconsistent. 
Uh, Wentz's health is also a question. Always. Giants 4-12. and 12. I'm not big on Danny Jones. Danny Dimes, as some call him. Uh, Saquon going to have a big year, though. Washington football team 3-13. and 13. I don't like Haskins. And they lack weapons and defense. NFC North, the Packers. They've almost become underrated in that division. People are just hating on them. They were 13-3 and three last year. I don't, they're not going to be quite as good 10-6, and six, but the division's not as good as people think. Uh, it's Aaron Jones just carrying that team. Bears 9-7. and seven. Uh, I think Nick Foles is going to take over from... They announced yesterday that Trubisky would be the starter. I think it'll last three games, maybe four, before they realize, huh, this guy's not good. And they'll put Nick Foles, a former Super Bowl MVP, in there. And be like, oh, this guy's better. The defense is great. They weren't did force a lot of turnovers last year. I expect them to force some more this year. I do have the Vikings dropping off to eight and eight after they made the playoffs and beat the Saints in a wild card game. I think they're gonna miss Diggs a lot more than they think. Just because of the fact that when they had dig when defenses had to focus on both Diggs and Thielen, you know, they had to pick one or the other. And now that they can just focus on Thielen, they'll let Justin Jefferson, the rookie, do whatever. They're not worried about him. They're worried about Adam Thielen. You're going to see more double teams than Adam Thielen's ever seen. Dalvin Cook's injuries question, but, you know, they seem like an 8-8 eight eight team to me. I'd be surprised if they made the playoffs again. Uh, Lions 5-11. and 11. This is Matt Patricia's last year. Stafford's going to be back, but it won't be enough. Saints 12-4 and four in the NFC South. Uh, I think this is their last best chance to win a Super Bowl. You know, we've already seen the Drew Brees. This is probably his last year. The Alvin Kamara situation just isn't going well for them. They do have a solid defense, and... You know, they're this is their last best chance. Uh, Buccaneers ten and six, Tampa Bay. You know, look at the weapons they put around him. They have Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller, who I like, and Gronk and O.J. Howard and Cam Brate, and they got Leonard Fournette, and they got a multitude of running backs and a solid offensive line. But I just don't love the defense. People are like, oh, the Buccaneers' defense is underrated. No one knows anything about that defense. They have a very, very weak secondary. And when you're playing in a division where you have to play Michael Thomas twice and Julio Jones twice and DJ Moore twice, and now you're playing San Francisco and you got to think about guys like Debo Samuel and you're playing the Cowboys and you have to take care of both Cooper and Gallup and CD Lamb. You're playing the Packers and you have to cover Devontae Adams. Like, they're not ready for this. Their defense is going to let down Brady more than people think. Falcons 7-9. and nine. Todd Gurley's health isn't there. I didn't like the signing at all. They're a good team. I think if they're in the NFC North, they could win it. But they're a solid team in a tough division. Panthers 4-12. and 12. It's going to be a rough year for Matt Rule, but Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey. NFC West, Seattle. I loved, loved, loved the Jamal Adams trade. They haven't drafted well over the last few years. And now you're adding him. Yeah. He is as good as it gets as a safety. They have a lot of good tight ends they can use. Guys like Will Dillisley and Hollister. And they got Greg Olson from the Carolina Panthers. They need their defense to be more consistent. But I think adding... Adams is going to be big for that. Uh, 49ers, the defending NFC champs. I expect them to have an early season hangover, but 11-5 seems realistic. Um, they clearly don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. They'll probably have a run-heavy offense all season with guys like Raheem Mostert. But, you know, they also drafted Brandon Ayuk. We'll see how good Garoppolo is, how he responds from a disappointing fourth quarter in the Super Bowl where his, I think his passer rating in the fourth quarter of that game was like 3 Cardinals 10-6, and six, my sleeper team in the NFC. I think they can win the Super Bowl. I think if there's a team you're looking for some great value to bet on the Super Bowl, I like the Cardinals, their offense is just, it's so good. It's They got DeAndre Hopkins, and Kenyon Drake was good at the end of last year. And even Chase Edmonds is a good backup running back. And guys like Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and Adam Humphreys, who was a second-round pick from UMass two years ago, I think. The offensive line is all right. The defense is better than people think. And I think they're a playoff team. Rams 5-11 and 11 is a huge regression year for them. The offense is fine. The defense is amongst one of the worst in the NFC. Other than Aaron Donald, if you look across the defense, and Jalen Ramsey, obviously, is one of the best corners in football. The offense is fine. The defense isn't. NFC playoffs, it's going to go Saints, Cowboys, pa- Seahawks, Packers, 49ers, Buccaneers, Cardinals. My NFC championship is the Seahawks over the 49ers. And my Super Bowl prediction, Super Bowl 55 in February in Tampa, I like Baltimore over Seattle. Awards, MVP Patrick Mahomes. Offensive Player of the Year, Saquon Barkley. Defensive Player of the Year, Khalil Mack. Comeback Player of the Year, Cam Newton. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Clyde Edwards-Healer. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Chase Young. And Coach of the Year, Bill Belichick. Uh, I'm just going to fly through these segments quickly because we've gotten kind of a late start and some little bit of confusion here. This first segment is start your start your Sunday starts and sits. 
usually each week we're going to kind of dive into these fantasy project weekly projections, but I'm going to kind of do a season. Four players I like for this season coming up, if you haven't drafted yet or you play daily fantasy. Quarterback, go with Dak Prescott. He's got great weapons. Running back, go with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Just, it's going to be a fantastic season for him. Wide receivers, Adam Thielen, I think, even with Dick Scott. And I mentioned earlier they are going to try to pressure him a little bit. I think he's going to put up good numbers. And then tight end Tyler Higby of the L.A. Rams. Uh, he is going to have some good separation in that offense because especially with they lost Cooks and Gurley's gone, and he was good at the end of last year. Players I would sit this year, I would kind of stay away from. Russell Wilson, the offense is a little inconsistent. Uh, it's a really run-heavy offense. I don't really expect Wilson to put up the biggest of numbers. Running back Miles Sanders, he's good, but he's going way too high in drafts because of Doug Peterson goes running back by committee. He even tried to sign Devontae Freedom. Freeman, and I thought they were also going to bring in Adrian Peterson, but they, I don't think they love that uh, offensive line. Uh, wide receivers, Keenan Allen, I know we just signed an extension, but I uh, just don't love that team. And then tight end Rob Gronkowski, he wasn't good. last The last time he played, he was pretty inconsistent, and I wouldn't take him as my tight end one fantasy. I'm going to fly through this next segment. It's called Four Downs. It's going to be four questions throughout the year that Garrett and I will go over. Uh, this is kind of an example of how it's going to go. Uh, first down, who will have more catches this year, Mike Evans or Amari Cooper? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. These are like rapid fire. So, Second down, who will run for more touchdowns, Lamar Jackson or J- James Conner? I'm going to go with James Conner. Third down, who will make their first start this season? Tua, Justin Herbert, or Marcus Mariota? I'm going to go with Tua. Fourth down, what team has the best chance to go from worst to first? The Lions, Chargers, Cardinals, or Dolphins? I'm going to go with the Cardinals. So our final segment, it's going to be called um, Harrison's Headlines and Paving the Way. Obviously, Garrett's not here today, so we won't be able to pave the way for a team to win. But my headlines, that this is going to be usually for the next day, but you know there's no NFL on today. So I'm going to be previewing some headlines for next week. So here's your first headline. Clemson shakes off early in Wake Forest. Shakes off early, Wake Forest start in victory. I think the 8 p.m. home time for Wake... I expect a strong start, but Clemson will come away with the victory. Second headline, Mahomes throws for 500. 